Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Les Talk Podcast. We are super pumped to be with you in December now. It's kind of a big thing. We have a very good episode lined up. We have a bit of breaking news, some news that hits BYU fans close to heart. A BYU-UVU <laughs> recap, unfortunately. You'll get to listen to Jared and I cry. BYU's bowl hopes, Jared's bowl predictions, championship weekend preview and picks, and a very special guest picker. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's bull. Go Tigers. But that field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! Let's back this booler. Yeah! Let's go wild. Let's man. go, baby. Let's go. Let's just dive right into this, shall we? Yeah, we let's have, do it. We have some breaking news to kick things off. Breaking news. Bronco <laughs> Mendenhall has stepped down as the head coach of the University of Virginia. Bronco? What? Yeah, so I've been reading a lot of articles on this, and I watched the interview that he had. And apparently he's saying that this isn't because the AD wanted him out or the president wanted him out. Apparently, According to Bronco, they both actually asked him to stay. Mm. But he said no, that he and his wife need to together start a new chapter of their lives and kind of explore some new things. He's been coaching football consecutively now for 31 years. Ooh. So it's time Dude, for a little old. bit of a career change. Yeah, he's kind of older. He's been an assistant. He's been a head coach. He, said, he did say multiple times, this is not a retirement. Mm. But maybe he just needs to step back for a little bit. Yeah, interesting. I kind of was reading the same kind of things and heard him talk a lot about like about Heavenly Father and how he's been guided in his steps, you know, to make big decisions like this. And so when he was talking about his wife and stuff, first thing that came to my mind is like, he's going to be a mission president somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine just like being a missionary and your new mission president is Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall? <laughs> you want to hear something absolutely disgusting that made me puke? Uh-oh, what? So I was reading, obviously this is just a comment. It was just a comment on a post. It wasn't any sort of source or anything. Right. But the fact that it even exists out in cyberspace out there made me absolutely vomit. Oh, no. Apparently, Mr. Kyle up north, there's rumors of him retiring soon. I have heard those. So the comment was kind of just joking around saying, what if Bronco just needs to take a couple years off? Then he takes the head coaching job at that university up there. No! I would absolutely just implode. (gasps) Just thinking about it right now, it gets me anxious. Like, (laughs) No, please, no. I really hope that doesn't happen. Everybody, in your prayers tonight, ask that that do not happen. Yep. Yes, please. Uh, My respect for Bronco, (laughs) everything we said in the Virginia preview, go out the window. (laughs) Sorry, Bronco, we love you, but don't do that. Not if you're you. We don't love you then. But... In all seriousness, like, shout out to him for, like, having the courage to, like, say that, you know, and say, like, because you, you know the fans, the administration, they all don't want him to do that, you know, like, mm-hmm. they ask him to stay, but for him to have that courage to, like, step down and say, hey, I need to focus on my family, with my wife, start a new chapter, that's, that's really impressive, that's really cool of him to do. Because Bronco's done a great job for the Cavaliers. I think it's five straight bowl berths, the program's first and only New Year's Six Bowl. Mm-hmm. It is incredible for the University of Virginia what Bronco has done. So they're all sad about him going, but like you said, what he did was brave. Mentioning Heavenly Father in his interview coming out of a secular uh, <laughs> secular university is huge for you know for him as, as a man of faith. So we wish the best of luck to him. Unless you go to the University of North, then we wish you the worst of luck. <laughs> yeah, and uh, should, we go, should we continue on to some more sad news? Oh, man. We we have to talk about it. Vomit-inducing pain? Yes. So, BYU lost twice yesterday, or Wednesday night, in basketball. Once, mm-hmm. they lost to little brother, UVU. This is not Utah State, even. This is Utah Valley University. You just got punked by your eight-year-old brother. Yeah, and punked is a good word, because <laughs> this game was so ugly. 
I literally thought I was walking, watching like a rec ball game. Yeah, seriously, it's not like like you said. It's not like Utah State. Like we're the eighteen year old in the family. BYU is the eighteen year old, right? Let's say yeah. BYU and Utah are twins. We're both eighteen. Okay. Utah State's like sixteen. They're the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. UVU is like eight years old, and what <laughs> UVU did is it started dribbling the basketball, just punched us right in the nuts, drove by, laid it in, and laughed at us, and then sat on us. And then you know what he did? He started screaming and crying and telling mom that you hit him and you got in trouble for getting socked <laughs> in the nuts. That is exactly what happened on Wednesday. That really is. what <laughs> That's an apt description. <laughs> this game was so bad. And the, the thing that made it just the most, like, utterly worst night I can remember in BYU basketball history, dude, our boy Gavin Baxter, man, that man is the Taysom Hill of BYU basketball. You got to feel for him. It, it is absolutely awful, absolutely terrible. The dude works so hard to recover from all of his injuries. And it's not like it's a repeated injury. Right? Like, c- like comparing him to Taysom Hill, some people think it's a joke. It's actually a pretty yeah. fair comparison because Taysom Hill, he didn't re-injure the same thing over and over again. It was different. It was different legs. It was the foot. It was an arm. It was, it was arm. Yeah. It was whatever. With Gavin Baxter, it was his shoulder. Yep. It was his ACL. Then it was his other ACL. Different parts of his body are failing him. And it's, it's such... Such a pain because he was really the glue in our big man core. We needed him. We still do need him. It's going to be a huge blow having him gone. Yeah. And I just feel so bad for him. Like you said, he worked so hard to get back. And I just, I can't, like when you saw him go down and he just sat there motionless on the floor, everyone knew, including him, like he, it was, it happened again. Mm-hmm. So bad. As far as the rest of the game went, This game was probably, like, the worst game of basketball I've watched since, like, my little brother's junior jazz games. Yeah, You know what this basketball game was? You know when you're at the gym, or you're at open gym, right? And you're on next. Okay. You're going to be on next. And you're super excited because you got your five, you're on next, you haven't played in a while, you know what? And they're playing to a 15, that's it. (laughs) And it just takes them. 30 years to get to 15 because everybody's bricking threes. Nobody can make a shot. They're not calling fouls. And when they do call fouls, they're random ticky-tack fouls out of nowhere. And it literally takes them 45 minutes to score seven buckets. That's what this game was. It really was. It was so bad. I. It was really bad. There was a brick house on both ends of the floor all game long. And they couldn't even hit that because they couldn't get shots off half the time. BYU had like... I can't remember, in the first half, they had, like, 10 or 11, like, they turned UVU over 10 or 11 times, and yet they had three, like, points off of turnovers. Mm -hmm. We had, like, 17 offensive rebounds, three offensive, or three second chance points. I, I, there was just no room, there, there was too much room for error, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, honestly, it was absolutely disgusting, and what made it worse is that what was the first thing on ESPN right after the game? Oh, BYU number twelve in the nation loses to Utah Valley University. I honestly, like like you said, it was just gross. No one liked to see that. BYU shot a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal, thirty one point nine percent from the field. Thirty one point nine. Goodness gracious, UVU didn't do much better. They shot even worse, 31.3% from the field. <laughs> but you know what the difference was between us and them? Amac hitting a random three. Oh, my. In overtime. He had more threes than Alex Barcelo did. Yep, he did. Which is insane to think about this, like, 6'10 guy. But, yeah. It That's was something bad. we need to address. Alex Barcelo got shut down. Mm-hmm. Where did our offense go? Uh... It never showed up, yeah. Yeah, it never came in the door because Alex Barcelo couldn't score. Tejon Lucas was struggling. Seneca Knight started off hot, but then is not scoring. Man, our defense is great. It was our good enough. Our defense is borderline yeah. elite. Our offense is just plain and simply awful. It was so bad. And I think part of it had to do with the fact that Baxter was out, Harvard is out. So we were playing a Tiki Ali Tiki. Caleb Loner sometimes, and Foose at center, and they had Amac, who was a beast, like, shut it, you know, he didn't have as many points as he usually does, Mm -hmm. but he just shut down our post, and so they just pressed the guards out, and they just, like, manned us up, played really physical on the back end the entire time, and we couldn't handle it. Mm -hmm. 
our screens were super loose. That is something I noticed the entire game. They were just going right over our screens like it was nothing. The only person I saw throw a shoulder or two was Foose. Foose, like, put his body out there. <laughs> that was weak. Man. Caleb Lohner, learn how to shoot a basketball. Like, I, I get it. You're a great rebounder. You are. You're supposed to be the next big thing here at BYU. But it, when you have the ball, you don't even look to score. Literally, the only points you score every single game are on a fast break or off a putback. Yep. And those were his only points this game, too. It was really, really hard to watch because you could see that he had zero confidence. Like, as soon as he airballed that three in the first half, every time he got the ball, no matter how open he was, he wouldn't shoot it. Mm -hmm. Right? And, like, the two or three times he did, he would miss. So, that was hard to see. Our our team just... I. And without Baxter, like without a strong inside presence, teams are going to do this to us all year. All year, mm-hmm. they're just going to press our guards, and we're not going to have any answer for it. I do want to give one shout out though to Spencer Johnson, who came in with the most cardiac coog moment <laughs> in the history of BYU sports. When he just he gets we're down to five seconds on the clock, he gets fouled. What does he do? Miss both free throws. <laughs> but then when he missed it. He batted the ball on the rebound and went off the UVU guy. And then he's literally the fifth option on the inbounds play. Gets the ball and scores, ties the game. Pushes it to <laughs> overtime. <laughs> so, Spencer Johnson, you are a mess, but a beautiful mess. A hot mess. You are a hot mess. You're our new Zach Stevens. You really are. <laughs> he really is. Really is. And I love how after he made the shot that tied it, he was like flexing and like everything. I'm like, dude, you just need to wipe the sweat off your brow, bro. You just <laughs> saved yourself. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's move on to the next game, which is on Saturday. BYU heads to Missouri to take on Missouri State, currently ranked number 74 in the Ken Palm, which would make it a quad one game. Which I really worry about because I've heard they're a very physical team. I've heard they're, they're a tournament team, right? And what are good tournament teams made out of? Physicality. UVU is physical. Missouri State is physical. Are we going to be able to handle it? I honestly have no idea. Yeah, you know, Missouri State's been a kind of a weird team all year. Uh, they've been winning games, and they've been losing random games. They haven't really played any big names yet. They've played SEMO, Sam Houston, Long Beach State, George Washington. We are the first big name that they are playing. They just took an L to Illinois State, but it looks like they score. They score well into the 70s every single game. We're done for. If we cannot match that, then yeah, we're done for. We couldn't even get to 70 in overtime last nope. game. <laughs> nope, we could not. Uh, yeah. Missouri State has dropped 90, 92 in a game this year. Lost a game 99 to 94. Oh, gosh. They They score. They score the ball. So we need to wake up. We need to get healthy because apparently half our team was sick. Gideon George was out because of that, which mm-hmm. we should take that into account when we're looking at this game. Yeah. It's hard to play physical when you're sick. True. We need this game. Yeah. We really need this game, especially with games uh, neutral site versus Creighton, Utah State coming to town. We need to figure out things real quick or it's going to get ugly. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to football. Hey, still football season. Heck yeah, it is. We love football season. We <laughs> hope it never ends, but alas, it must come to an end. Unfortunately. Uh, in the latest CFP rankings, BYU moved up a spot to number 12. Everyone was kind of expecting this. Yeah. No, number 12 isn't terrible. It's a good place to be. Yeah. If it was just off of rankings and there were no auto bids, we would be the last qualifier for New Year's Six. Yes. But alas, that is not what has happened. <sighs> Yeah, uh, there is a path for BYU to the New Year Six. Dan laid it out in the last episode. So mm-hmm. if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and check that out. Skip to the part where Dan is talking about the New Year Six Bowl uh, possibilities. There are a few things that could happen that would give BYU a very good chance. Right. And like you said, it's not completely out of the picture. It will take a lot of work because we need Alabama to beat Georgia. We need Cincy to win. We need Oklahoma State to Beat up Baylor, but not jump Cincinnati into the play. Like, kind of a weird set of circumstances, but there is a possibility. And at the very end, the Bulls do have a say in this. It's not just the committee and their rankings and New Year's Six affiliations. The Fiesta Bowl, for example, is an at-large versus at-large, mm-hmm. and they could possibly select a number 12 BYU team over a number 11 
Michigan State team. Yes, they could. And I think if you are the Fiesta Bowl, you want to do that. BYU complies with the one principle that every bowl game wants. We've talked about it before on the show, the AIS principle. Mm -hmm. To keep it PG, the butts in seat principle. BYU has fans, especially in the Arizona area. That's still, I guess that's still considered the Intermountain West. But uh, Arizona, Utah, California, all close to the Fiesta Bowl. Michigan State's on the other side of the country. Michigan State would travel, but I really think BYU would fill up the stadium. And that's what bowl games want. They want money. They're all about the money. BYU will bring it. Right. And they've seen this with BYU's team as well. In all these matches, BYU 6-1 and one against P5s, right? Mm-hmm. Their only two losses are to Boise State and <clears throat> top 10 Baylor. So yep. BYU is going to bring a good game. They're going to bring a good product to the table. We have Tyler Algier, who should really be in New York for the Heisman's you know, candidacy and stuff. And we have one of the best teams or one of the best teams in the last two years. Right. Mm -hmm. So we get AIS, we get a good game, a good product that they can sell. It makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah. It makes sense to me as well. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is the time of year where everybody starts theorizing about bowls, us included. Heck yeah. Go ahead and check out our Instagram at let's talk pod. We have actually put out our official bowl projections Shout out to Jared for doing a lot of the homework on that. Uh, so we have that. We did not include the new bowl that's going to be in there this year. But uh, I did not know they would do that, but shout out to them, man. Yeah, shout out to them for doing that, for not leaving a team out. Good job, Hawaii and Ball State. You yeah, guys if, get to play in a bowl game. If you guys didn't hear about that, there was going to be one team that qualified for a bowl that wasn't going to get it, but they added an extra bowl so that they could play, which they didn't do last year. So Right. Kind of funky, even though there were two teams last year. Anyway, there's a lot of things we can talk about. Will Utah win their first Pac-12 championship? Can Georgia get over the hump? But those are things that we will talk about coming up next with a very, very special guest speaker. All righty, and here we are. We are here with our guest picker. It is... Kevin Cole. (laughs) Kevin Cole. So, uh... The question that we always ask all of our guests on this show, the very first question is, who the heck are you? All right. I am just an average Joe football fan. Um, grew up in the, the shadow of Cougar Stadium goalposts while living in American Fork. Um, <laughs> far reach. Yeah. Far, far reaching goalposts. Sun was pretty strong in those days, you know. That's right. Shadows reached really far. That's right. It uh, was good times. I'm a big <laughs> BYU fan, um, an alumnus, uh, also an alumnus of the Ohio State University. Oh yes. Um, I'm. I think I'm the reason why Jared has such an affinity for that team. You are uh, my father. I, I am Jared. Mentioned that. Yeah. I'm Jared's yeah. father. <laughs> I. Uh, Somewhat bankroll this thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it uh, it's been a pleasure to uh, listen for what 13 weeks now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's been a little bit. That's it's crazy. been really fun, and uh, only once or twice have I rolled my eyes and at one of the takes on this uh, <laughs> podcast. Well, dang, then we're doing something wrong. Our goal is for people to be rolling their eyes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been fun. I. Uh, I enjoy listening to smart people talk football and talk sports. So heck yes, we're definitely. It's, it's a the... pleasure to be here. <laughs> I enjoy it, um, and uh, hope I can contribute to the the quality of the uh, the program. Of course. So, for everyone's knowledge, uh, my dad, you are one of seven children, and you have a lot of uh, brothers. They are all avid. BYU fans, and there's a group chat amongst you with me and several others called the Sports Analyst Group Chat, and this is where a lot of the true colors of the Call Family uh, sports fandom come from. So give us kind of a vibe, like what impact did BYU sports have on you and your family as as children? Like how was that indoctrinated into you? Oh, well, um, it started young. So, um, the Cougar Club started in 1962. I had to look that up today. I believe that both of my grandparents, both on my father's side and my mother's side, were founding members of Ooh. the 
Cougar Club. Wow. I believe it started as the Downtown Coaches Club of Provo. Okay. Um, but that may be rumor. Uh, but both of my grandparents, uh, big, huge BYU fans. Um, in fact, you can find, if you go around Cougar Stadium and if you go around the Marriott Center, uh, Jared will tell you, I whatever we go when he was younger, I always made him go look at the brass plaque. I do remember at, that. At the Marriott Center that has both of his grandfather's names on it. Um, there's also one, I think there's one at Cougar Stadium too. So my first memories of BYU football are pre-Cougar Stadium as we know it now. There was an older Cougar Stadium that had a track around it, had a grass hill on the north end, had bleachers on the south end, and I can still remember games, sitting with my grandmother, because they had great seats, sitting with my grandmother and watching the missionaries from the MTC walk down the hill and fill the south end zone. (laughs) The missionaries would come watch the games. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Um, My grandfather on my mother's side, Jared's great-grandfather, claims to be one of the only people to have um, lit the Y. Is that how you say it? Oh. Um, He lit the Y twice. Oh, wow. He, he claims, well, when he died, he claimed he was the only person that got to light it twice because back then there was a big, huge block Y with a flame that came out the top. And the first week they called him down there and they did the whole announcement thing and he held the torch up to the flame and it didn't light. <laughs> <laughs> so they brought him back again the next week and he got to light the Y twice. Look at that. <laughs> so those are my earliest memories. Um, I remember the first game in Cougar Stadium, the new expanded Cougar Stadium, 1982. We lost to Air Force on a two-point conversion, if I remember, or a late Ooh. score anyway. Oh, man. So that's – and then uh, um, my childhood years in the 80s were all about – the fall was all football. It was BYU football, and Friday night was preparing food for the – tailgate that we were going to have on Saturday. Uh, I still remember there's a there's a power pole in the the parking lot just west of the stadium that is right next to kind of the middle slash west end of that church building and that was our spot. <laughs> we'd show up two and a half three hours early. We'd park our blue and white van um, with a Y on the back We'd park that van right next to that power pole, and all the everybody else in the extended family and friends knew where the call's tailgate was because we were always next to that power pole right next to that church. <laughs> so, the call family, BYU through and through. That's right. We <laughs> would spend three hours before the game, go party in the stadium, and then my dad didn't like to drive home in traffic, <laughs> and so he would sit and listen to Paul James and Lavelle Edwards on the post-game show while the stadium emptied and the parking lots emptied because we had to drive 20 miles north to American Fork. And so he'd wait for everything to empty. And so we'd just sit and play football in the parking lot. Or we wouldn't come out to the to the car for like an hour after the game. We'd just wander <laughs> around. Because back then they had the Cougar Illustrated was a magazine and it had a center fold in it that had like some cool picture of, you know, Matt Bellini flying over the mountains or, <laughs> you know, the uh, the offensive line or something. And so we'd wander the stadium trying to find somebody who'd left behind their Cougar Illustrated because we weren't rich enough to afford, you know, the two bucks or three bucks for a magazine. So those are my memories. <laughs> um and yeah, I have uh, three sisters, three brothers. We would all go. Um, well, six of us would go. Um, we had six tickets in the north end zone, which is where we still have our tickets today. Mm-hmm. Um, and mom and dad would sit separate on the <laughs> on the west side, and they'd set us six kids over there on the north end zone. We'd get in all sorts of trouble, throwing stuff at the people in front of us, paper airplanes. One lady I remember had this big, huge, bushy hair. This old lady, and so we'd throw Skittles and get it stuck in her hair and she wouldn't notice. Um, we got in all, you know, did all sorts of things. Stadium my, shenanigans. Yeah. My brothers went over into the, would get into the locker room and get autographs. <laughs> and it was a crazy time. And that, that was my, the moments I remember as family activities as a young kid. 
was BYU football. It brought the Call family together, and girls, boys, whatever, you know, it was always there. I remember one year Doug wanted to make some money. Doug's always, he's the older brother. He's the smart one in the family, um, <laughs> businessman. He wanted to make some money, so we spent all night Friday making, like, these chocolate suckers. Like the, you know, the chocolate molds that they have at, right. like, uh, weddings and stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. So he'd make them into suckers, and we spent all day putting blue and white ribbons on them, and he created this, we had a wagon, and he created, like, this display out of his wagon, and, because wow. he's like, hey, you know, he was always the entrepreneur. And uh, we filled it full of chocolates, and he walked down, up and down the stadium. He'd probably got once or twice in front of the stadium and the security came out and said, you can't sell stuff on our property. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but other, you know, all sorts of stories. I could go on and on. <laughs> so BYU football and BYU sports are, it's in our blood. We, we bleed blue. And the sports analyst text message is our way of expressing our fandom and our grief. <laughs> uh, over every dropped pass and every missed block or missed literally, tackle. Literally, when he says that, it's literally every right. drop. <laughs> um, heaven heaven forbid the only record that makes it out of our generation is the transcript of our text line because that would not be good for our family That would history. be a whole different picture of the Call family. <laughs> yes, it would. So. Oh, man. So, yeah, you, the Call family has a lot of history with BYU football. BYU football is now entering into a new era of entering into, some would say Power 5, some will say maybe it won't be Power 5. It's going to be Power 5. Entering into the Big 12. How do you feel about that? I'm very excited. I think it's 25 years overdue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I think that BYU's proved for years and years and years that they belong at that level. Um, and now they get to prove it. And, uh, yeah, some people are saying, oh, you know, without Oklahoma and Texas, the Big 12 is going to – my answer to that is where's Oklahoma and Texas in the CFP Top 25 compared to <laughs> the teams that will make up Oklahoma the Big State, 12? Cincy, Baylor, BYU. Right. Mm -hmm. And then Houston's at 17. Houston, yep. yep. So <laughs> I think the Big 12 is going to be just fine uh, in 23, and I'm excited for it. I think it'll be good. We may have some growing pains. But BYU fans are lose are used to uh, snatching victory or snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yep. <laughs> We've done that a number of times. So oh yes, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. Um, as far as this BYU season has gone, how are you feeling about this season? I mean, it was really hot. Lost two games, won five in a row again. I expect 100 to zero in every game that BYU plays. <laughs> True be it, fan. Be it women's soccer um, or football. No, uh, I'm happy. If you would have told me that, you know, come championship weekend, BYU sitting in the top 15 in the CFP with a 10 and two record and a victory over all the Pac-12 teams on their schedule. Including yep. Utah. I would have said sold. I'm in. <laughs> And and it's fun, yeah. despite thinking of the Boise State game, you know, right. giving me nightmares. But other than that, it's oh, yeah. been good. We don't speak that name on that podcast. We'll, we'll bleep it out later when we're, when we're doing our editing. We'll bleep that. Out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. That's uh, ugh. we don't like that name. Yeah, yeah. fumbles, yeah. turnovers, rain. But yeah, as, as Jared says, you wouldn't think we were fans if you checked our text line during a game, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say it's the complete opposite. The true mark of a fan is hating your team so much that it turns into love. <laughs> Loathing so much that it turns into love. And the other way around, too. Loving your team so much that it turns into hate and, and loathing. There yep, you go. That's the mark of a true fan. <laughs> yes. Yep. But calls don't hold grudges. You know, by Sunday morning, we're good. <laughs> yep. we're, we're fans again. So. Yeah. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> it's kind of the way it goes. Um, going back to your earlier days, what's maybe your favorite of the BYU memories back in the day? Because you, you were talking about how you kind of grew up in the 80s. And that was, you know, our generation, we haven't really had that kind of, I mean, 2008 through, or 2007 through 2010 was probably our golden age of BYU football. But for you guys, it was a whole other level. Mm -hmm. So maybe what are some of your favorite BYU sports memories? So my 
three, if we're talking just football, my three favorite memories that I remember in person. Um, the night of the 1984 Holiday Bowl, I still remember where I was sitting in my grandmother's house watching uh, Robbie Bosco throw that touchdown pass to make it 24-17. I also remember vividly Glenn Kozlowski's catch in the back of the end zone to make it 17-17, mm-hmm. or make it 17-10, I can't remember. And so that's the memory. And then after the game, we all ran into the streets with pots and pans and wooden spoons banging, and <laughs> you would have thought it was the end of World War Three or something. It was fantastic. Second memory is getting a penalty called on me and my 66,000 other best friends during the 1989 Air Force game where they called delay of game on the crowd because we were so loud that the quarterback complained to the referee that his team couldn't hear one another. Are you serious? We got two f- penalties in that game. In 19- I think it was 89. And then we uh, – I probably shouldn't say this on your podcast, but then we started chanting – the quarterback's name was D. Dallas, and we started chanting, D. Dallas is a weenie. <laughs> or is a baby or something or something like that. Maybe it was D. Dallas is a baby. Um, well, that's perfect for this podcast. That is legendary. Yeah. It must have been rocking then. Oh, it was great. It was, it was, it was on ABC, national television. Um, oh, my beautiful. God. It was so fun. So one, that was one of my biggest memories at BYU football. And then my third memory, um, you know, other than the tailgates where we just kind of had this time together as family and bonded as, as family on the way there, on the way home, falling asleep in the car together, those sorts of things. The third memory is 1990 Miami. Of course. Um, being in the stands for that and watching Ty Detmer tear apart the vaunted Miami Hurricanes. I remember they came out because we sat in the north end zone where the visitors do their thing. They came out for their calisthenics and instead of just, you know, being five yards this way and five yards that way, right? They came out in the shape of a number one because they were number one team in the country. (laughs) (laughs) So the arrogance and hubris of we're going to our formation of our team as we're doing our warm-ups is going to be in a number one. It was just nice to and then karma hit hard. And karma hit. It was great. So those are the three like memories I have as a kid. Positive BYU football memories. My goodness. That's beautiful. So. Well, talking about the special year that BYU's had this year, do you think there is any chance that they end up in one of those coveted New Year's Six Bowl positions? I don't want to. I don't want to believe that there's a chance. Um, but I do. <laughs> I think that there is a chance. I think that if... Oklahoma State just embarrasses the shorts off of Baylor that a three-loss Baylor team against the two that just got the floor wiped with them, right? If they go Ohio State-Wisconsin 2014 Big Ten Championship game, right? If they do something along those lines, I think there's hope that Baylor will drop below BYU and open up a spot. Um. And so that's my – I don't want to hope, but I hope. Exactly. Oh, we so. hope. Yeah. We absolutely yeah. hope. <laughs> and uh, like we were saying earlier, like it's not completely up to the committee either because the Fiesta Bowl does have a say in the matter. There, and there are rules. As from what I've heard, there are rules that you – the teams have to come from the top 12 in the, in the ranking in order. Oh, so you can't skip the number ten team to pick the number twelve team if the ten team's available. Unless it's a displaced conference champion. Unless it's a displaced conference. These are for the at-large bids. Ah, right? okay. Uh, I didn't know that. So Utah, if they win, they'll get one. Right. Um, and we hope that Oregon, if they beat Oregon again, that they'll drop below us. Right. Yeah. Right? Which would move us up a spot. And and the ACC champion's probably not going to jump us. Yeah, I wouldn't imagine. And so they would automatically get a spot and then it's one through 12 after that then oh, that's what i've heard it's a rumor on the street Guess no one see. really knows like the same hamilton no one really knows how the sausage gets made right no one really is in the room <laughs> where it happens all the dark right. secrets of the right. college football playoff of the new year six like jared and i were just talking earlier on the podcast that if you're the fiesta bowl of course you want byu because a it's in arizona and byu is right there the ais principle 
Yeah. Be right there. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm hoping, um, hoping it works. Yeah. For BYU. Us being number too. 12, if we were number 11, I think it'd be guaranteed. Yeah. But being number 12 and having a displaced champion behind us hurts. It does kind of hurt. So we'll uh, maybe, maybe we just want to pick your brain one more time for a memory. What is your funniest sports memory? Ooh. And then we'll get of into any our, sporting. Any sports memory that just why you love sports, just something hilarious. And you've had a long history of of sport fandom. Yeah, playing sports. I don't know if this is really fun. I mean, funny. It was kind of funny to me. And I was telling Jared this story earlier. So, nineteen eighty seven, eighty eight. I think it was BYU basketball. We won like eight hundred games in a row, um, all the way up until like mid January, where BYU. Oh, I remember why it was because Jeff Chapman was from Alabama, and so they scheduled this game against UAB. Never heard of him before in my life. They scheduled a mid-January game against UAB so Jeff Chapman could play closer to his home because he's from the southeast. Kind of like somewhere. they do to Jimmer. Kind of like they do with Jimmer, okay. right? And they go out there, number two in the country, undefeated, and get blasted by 30. So that's not the fun part. But working up to that part, right? But so, that also gives us a little insight as to why BYU does what it does now. It's just in the blood that we lose in, the right? teams it's that we BYU's shouldn't. Blood. Right? That's why we have battered fan syndrome. <laughs> but before that, you know, building up to that in early January, there was a game. I think it was early January there was a game. And Jeff Chapman was like this guy who could, you know, jump over the rim kind of guy, right? Like, And he was like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, big dude, huge hands. He got this breakaway steal, or Marty Haas got this steal and fed him on this cherry pick wide open. And everybody, because he was a dunker. And everybody was, like, getting on their feet, ready to go. And the the rock, it wasn't the rock then, but the student section was all getting excited. And he goes up and, and jumps as high as he can and gets way up above. And it's like he could look over the rim kind of thing. And then just drops the ball loosely, <laughs> floats it through the rim. <laughs> and everybody was screaming at him. And he kind of turns to the to the student section and kind of waves and winks at him like no not today guys not today and it was just i remember that as a kid laughing because we were all so excited he was gonna dunk it and then he just kind of made a mockery of all of our excitement i love it when so. players have a sense of humor like that yeah right yeah so i don't know if that's the funniest thing but that just kind of came to mind as it's kind of a silly thing that i remember of my youth so, oh man that's incredible oh man well Thanks for all those stories. Now let's move on to our picks. Just a quick little recap for everybody on our picks. We haven't done it with a guest picker in quite a little bit, unless you still consider Dan a true guest picker. <laughs> Though he is a regular fan. He is a regular co-host of this show. Um, we have 10 games. This week there are only 10 games to pick from, unless you count the USC-Stanford game. The Cal game, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes. USC-Cal game, which we're not even going to talk about that because that's not even worth our time. Not relevant. But, yeah, uh, so far, the best guess, and it's a two-way tie for, between Big Game Boomer and Dr. Hansen, has gone seven and three. If you can beat that, mm. then you get a box of Cheez-Its of your flavor, cheese, flavor choosing. So you have that to look forward to. All right. Let's do it. All righty. Um, so just a quick recap of our picks, me, Dan, and, and Justin. Uh, Justin is up by a little bit, just barely. He went. What did you go last week? You went pretty well. Last I went five week. and five last week. Yeah. Dan and I both went five and five. Jared went four and six. The fans went three and seven. Yes, yeah, so we relegated the fans to the yeah. championship division, <laughs> uh-huh. and they don't get a pick anymore. <laughs> nope. So currently, Justin's up by two on me, and I'm up by three on Danny, which means Justin's up by five on Danny. So it's kind of we're at the point. Justin's starting to pull away a little bit, but there's still hope. This us. is a huge week. This is a very huge week, and I need to do well. So let's start off with the Conference USA Championship. We have the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers taking on UTSA, the Roadrunners, the team I picked as the best G5 team in the nation at the beginning of the season. Dan is going with UTSA in this game. I, unfortunately, and it breaks my heart to do this, <laughs> Have to go against my precious Roadrunners. <laughs> I am taking the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers in this game. Brandon Zapp's just incredible right now. UTSA is on a slide. 
Western Kentucky is going to win this game. This is all based on their mascot, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, none of all of our picks are based on emotion. Nothing, <laughs> log, no logic, no facts. Nothing like that is allowed to be brought in. We kind of dress it up to sound that way, but yeah, there it's really go. just what we want. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, who are you going with? With this one. Ooh. So what I'm looking at is that Western Kentucky is the number one passing team in D1 with over 400 yards a game. That's insane. But UTSA has balance. They've got a running game. They've got a 1,000-yard rusher. Sincere McCormick. Sincere McCormick. Western Kentucky doesn't have much of a running game. I think that uh, offense wins games, but defense wins championships. Ooh, okay. And UTSA, despite what happened against North Texas, um, but they did have six fumbles against North Texas as well. <laughs> kind of ridiculous. Um, yeah. I think that UTSA is going to pull this one out. Okay. It makes an interesting point. Uh, I didn't even remember the offense win game, defense win championship. It's championship week. It is championship week. So who are you going with? I wrote down Western Kentucky earlier, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm uh, going to stick okay, with Western okay, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, they're favored by three by Vegas, which makes me think that something's up. The Vegas knows something we don't. Something about UTSA is someone's not going to play. Someone's sick. Something like that. Mm. So I'm going with Western Kentucky, and if they don't win, I'm going to blame it 100% completely on Brent Musburger's friends in the desert. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds pretty fair to me. <laughs> they scored 98 points combined when they played each other in the regular season. Yep. And Vegas has the over-under at 72.5. So I'm taking the over. Ooh, okay. Definitely take the over. Putting your cheeses on the over. Also, this game is at UTSA, who G5 team, but they play, I think it's called the Alamo Dome now. Yeah, is that's that right. what it's Dome. called? Mm-hmm. It's electric in there. Yes, it is. Not only on my NCAA 14 uh, dynasty mode, but also in real life. They pack that thing, and it's yes, they do. good to see. Good to see. So that'll be a fun one. And then our next one on Friday night is the Pack 10, I mean, Pack 11 championship game, number 10 Oregon, number 17 Utah, favored by two and a half in Las Vegas. Who are we going with? You want to kick us off, Kevin? I just want to say, did Vegas watch the last game? <laughs> two and a half? Ooh. So the big question for me is can Oregon counter Utah's use of the three tight ends and one run, the 13 personnel? Yeah, Um, because that just destroyed them. Um, And can Oregon keep Cam Rising from running for all the first downs on third and long? (laughs) That just killed him in the last game. Um, And then can Oregon's offense play against Utah's defense? So I'm going to go with my heart on this one. So um, I should say my brain says Utah because they have such a good defense. Um, and defense wins championships, but my heart says Oregon, and a Utah win here would just be devastating to the rivalry. So I'm going to go with Oregon. I am also going with Oregon for the same reason, because I could not stomach watching Utah go to the Rose Bowl. So Mm -hmm. I'm going with Oregon. Same reason here. My brain absolutely says Utah. Utah's the more physical team. Oregon does not know how to play physical football right now. But U's down all the way, baby. Heck yeah, baby. I'm picking Oregon to win this game. Dan, look at us. <laughs> Dan's betraying us, though. He's going with the team up north. He's going with Utah. Are we going to let him back on the podcast after that? We almost get the feeling that he's like really trying to win this thing. <laughs> yeah, like he's actually trying or something. What the heck? Stop using your brain, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> Next up, we got the Big 12 championship game. A very interesting top 10 matchup. Number nine, Baylor taking on number five, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is a five and a half point favorite. They've played one time already this season. Oklahoma State won. Yeah, in so that game, it's going to be a very interesting game. Yeah, Baylor looked really bad. Yes, they in did. the Oklahoma State. I remember we were watching the Oklahoma State Baylor game earlier, and we we're like, "Oh, good. I was worried about Baylor. That should be a cakewalk." And then <laughs> we proceeded to get our faces curb stomped. Um, I think Oklahoma State has the better defense. They have a fantastic defense. Like to think about the the Bedlam game. Yeah, number three defense. Number three in the nation. Number three defense in the nation. And watching the Bedlam game, Oklahoma State did everything they could to lose the game, but their defense still won them the game. Mm -hmm. And I am riding with that defense pokes all the way. 
Yep, I absolutely agree. The Pokes are going to win this game. It's not going to be super close. I think Oklahoma State is just on a hot streak right now. And I would love, I would absolutely love to see Oklahoma State Orange in the college football playoff. Finally, a different color. <laughs> How are you feeling about it, Kevin? I'm not as certain. Just let me tell you, the my battered fan syndrome tells me that because BYU would stand to benefit from an Oklahoma State victory, that I should shy away from choosing Oklahoma State. Um, but I agree. I think the defense, like we said earlier, defense wins championships. Um, Baylor's quarterback's good, but not fantastic. Uh, they got that number nine kid who ran all over BYU, but then again, so did USF. So I'm going to go enough. with Oklahoma State for a repeat double-digit victory. Oh, wow. I like that. Dan is also going to Oklahoma State, so clean sweep there. You know, guys, you guys know what that means? That Baylor's our pick winning. is losing. <laughs> Whenever it's a clean sweep, we lose. So next up, we have our favorite conference, the MAC, MAC Championship. Run. Kent State, who is three-and-a-half-point favorites over NIU, Northern Illinois. Dan is going with Kent State here. And I – actually, let's take Justin because Justin had a really good reason for this one. How about you go first? Tell us, tell us why. I'm picking the NIU Huskies to win this game. And I'm, and I'm with you on this. And this is why. History would be made if NIU won. NIU would be the first ever team in NCAA history to have zero wins one year and win their conference the next year. <laughs> and that would be literally the most Mac thing to ever happen. And because of that, I have to pick NIU. Yep. I... It really is the biggest Mac thing that ever happened. I love Maction is our favorite it's favorite time of year. Our of course, favorite yeah. sporting events to watch are Maction games because they're absolutely ridiculous. And we get one 10 a.m. on Saturday. Kevin, who are you going with in this one? Um, so I'm going with my mother-in-law here. She grew up in the Kent area. Okay. And uh, she attended the Kent Ravenna Branch slash Ward of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in that area, so I'm going with Kent State. Okay. That's a very solid reasoning. Close to the heart. Next up, we have the Mountain West Championship game. It's going to be a very interesting game. we got Utah State, who somehow snuck into that game. I have absolutely no clue how after getting <laughs> absolutely housed by Wyoming. At number 19, SDSU, who is a six-point favorite. Kevin, how are you feeling about it? I think this is a run or get run. Utah State ran for 35 yards against BYU. San Diego State gives up about 100 yards a game or under 100 yards a game total. Pretty good, um, I'd say. <laughs> I don't think you, if Utah State can't run the ball, then Brady Hoke's going to have his defense harassing Dusty Bonner or whatever his name is. <laughs> and he's not going to be able to do much on offense, and it's going to be San Diego State. You know, a low-scoring affair, but they'll beat him. I am going with Utah State. And for this reason, now we all picked Oregon, right? But we all think Utah's going to win. If Utah wins the Pac-12, Utah State wins the Mountain West, BYU can officially say that we are the best football team in the West. We have beaten the Mountain West Conference champion and the Pac-12 Conference champion. Therefore, we are the conference champion of the Western United States. Yeah, sure. That's fair so, enough. Yeah, I'm going with out. Utah State because I want to say that. All right, fair enough. I'm picking San Diego State to win this game. I really agree with Kevin on this one. San Diego State's defense, I think, is going to smother Utah State's attack. I think San Diego State is going to win this game with its defense. Dan, however, is on Jared's boat. He's going with Utah State. Obviously for the same reasoning. Mm -hmm, so there we go. We're half and half yeah. on that one. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, the, the, that one we can't all lose, so mm -hmm. somebody's going to have to win. Next up, we got the Fun Belt Championship. App State mm -hmm. at number 24, Louisiana. Now, when these teams met earlier in the season, Louisiana absolutely housed App State 41-13. to However, Vegas has App State as three-point favorites at Louisiana. Oh, I don't know about that one. Now, personally, I'm going to go with App State here. And I know Billy Napier is staying, and he says his first priority is to coach Louisiana in their conference championship. I don't know about the bowl game, but he has said he's going to stay for the conference championship game. However, 
I think is going to be his mind is going to be elsewhere, and I think App State is going to come through. They've progressively become a better team. They beat Coastal Carolina on a last-second field goal, and I think this is going to be much of the same thing. Going to come down to the last second. It'll be a 35-33 to 33 type of game. App State's going to walk away with the dub. Interesting. It looks like Dan is going to disagree with you there. He's picking the Raging Cajuns to win this game, as well as me. I'm picking the Raging Cajuns to win this game. I One, I have to go with them because one of my NCAA 13 dynasties was with University of Louisiana Lafayette. They gave me my first coaching gig, so shout out to them. Homer. They'll always be in my heart. Uh, another reason I have to pick them is when Jared, Dan, and I went to Applebee's in 2019 to get unlimited wings, riblets, and and uh, shrimp. Yeah, some shrimp. weird shrimp. Some some sort of shrimp. University of Louisiana Lafayette was playing like a Thursday night game or something like that while we were at Applebee's on the super grainy TV. And because of that, I fell in love with the University of Louisiana Lafayette. I can never pick against them. They win. All right, Kevin. All right, I think App State is more tested than University of Louisiana. They played Miami on the road and lost because of a missed two-point conversion. Which they should have won the game. Really. Should have won. Yeah, they should have. And they played Coastal, and University of Louisiana did not. And Coastal's a good team, whether we like it or yeah. not. That's true. That's true. On the other hand, University of Louisiana did beat Illinois mm-hmm. uh, early in the season. So with that, I'm just going to go with App State anyway. Heck yeah. So. Fair enough. Matt Mayus. Next up, we have the most overrated conference in the nation's championship, the SEC. We got number one, Georgia, who's a six-and-a-half-point six favorite, versus number three, Alabama. How you feeling about this one, Jared? Uh, is there any question, are we all going to go Georgia here? Yeah, I, Georgia. Mm-hmm. I, Alabama doesn't deserve to be here. Oh. Sorry, Mark. My only question for you guys is, do you go over or under on the 49.5? 49.5. After the, after the four overtime barn burner <laughs> that was the Egg Bowl, or the Iron Bowl, that scored a total of 46 points. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna absolutely go. taking the under. Georgia's going to smother Alabama's offense, and Georgia is incapable of scoring the ball. So, <laughs> under. See, I think it's going to be a 27-30-6 game. So, like, okay. Georgia's going to score, you know, 30 points because Alabama can't, you know, they can't hold the ball long enough to stop Georgia's offense, keep them off the field. I'm going to go with the under, and I'm taking Georgia with the points. I agree. All right. Yeah. So, clean sweep there, so you know what that means. <laughs> Alabama's somehow going to pull it out. <laughs> Let's be honest. BYU would benefit from an Alabama win, right? Because if Alabama wins, um, then they stay in the playoff, and the Sugar Bowl bid would be taken by Ole Miss. Whereas if Alabama lost, they drop out. They take the Sugar Bowl bid. Ole Miss gets an at-large bid that would otherwise maybe go to BYU. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, that's an interesting situation. Like you said, with all the bowl tie-ins, it becomes really messy. I don't know. Well, all you can do is sit and pray, and we are at the we are at the grace and mercy of <laughs> of the New Year's Six Bowl Committee. Yes. <laughs> and I'm interested in this game. I know, like we talk about, like it's going to be a blowout. I'm interested to see if Kirby Smart can get over the hump here. Because yeah. he has not been able to really win a big game, and especially against Alabama. So I'm interested to see if he can do it this time. Former Saban assistant. I, I think he was licking his chops on Sunday after watching Smoke Monday destroy Alabama on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think the result of this game makes much difference for the Cougars in the long run. But I think it, if Georgia wins, it gives a whole lot of hope to the rest of college football. Yes, That's it does. true. That's yes, true. A new era where Alabama is not on top. All Sorry, right. Mark. Coming up next, we have a very important American championship game. We have number four, Cincy, who is home playing number 21, Houston. Since he's a 10.5 point favorite. Kevin, who are you taking in this one? I've got to go with Cincy. Um, this, the combined records of these teams is 23-1. and one, Not bad. With the only loss coming the first week of the season. On a fluky loss to Texas Tech. On a fluky loss to Texas Tech. I think it's going to be a fun game. The pressure's all on Cincy, but I think Dana Holgerson's going to pull a BYU 2020 game and fall apart in the fourth quarter, and <laughs> Cincy's going to pull away. All right. I have got to agree. I think Cincy's going to win this game. I want Cincy to win this game. I want Cincy in the playoff. I think it would be a wonderful story. 
the G5 needs to slap the P5 in the face, this is the way to do it. Yeah. I I really, really want Cincy to go. I want to see the look on Gary Barta's face when he's forced to put Cincy into the playoff. The over-under here is 53. I'm going to take the over. Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to take Houston getting 10.5 on the road. But I'm still going to take Cincy outright to win the game. Cincy straight up. I think it's going to be close. I think this is a this has like 41-44 written all over it for me. Close game, high scoring, super exciting. But Cincy's going to take it home. And Dan agrees. Dan agrees. Clean sweep again. That's kind of kind of worrisome. I look forward to this game as much as any of the others. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we got the ACC championship. Uh, for I guess the winner gets to be relevant. And the rest yeah. of the ACC remains Semi. irrelevant. Semi, yeah. Um, number 15, Pitt, three-point favorites against number 16, Wake Forest. I'm going with Pitt and Kenny Pickett here. I think he should definitely be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Mm-hmm. He's crazy. He's got great hair. Kind of reminds me of Anakin Skywalker a little bit. <laughs> going with Pitt because they have a Sac City-type defense. And like Kevin said, defense wins championships. I honestly don't think Wake Forest is a great team. I think they've benefited from a very weak ACC. I think they're they're good. They have good they're offense. Just not great. I think Pitt is going to come out and beat them. And Dan agrees. So we got three for Pitt. Kevin, who are you taking? So I don't trust either team here. <laughs> Every time I cheer, I cheer for Pitt, they lose. <laughs> um, and Wake is really more of an academic school than anything. So you don't know what to expect out of either of these guys. Um, but. I have to agree with Jared. It feels like Cody Pickett is the Britain Covey, the ACC. feels like he's been there yep. for 100 years. Yep, <laughs> yep. sure. Yep. Um, but that said, I think Wake has a good offense, a better and more consistent offense at least That's true. than Pitt. They have a great offense. So I'm going to go with Wake. All righty. Okay. The Demon Deacons. Last but not least, we have the Big Ten Championship game. Unfortunately for... The calls over here. We got Michigan, <sighs> number two team in the nation. 11-point favorites versus number 13, Iowa. Who are you guys taking? Iowa's offense has aplastic anemia. <laughs> <laughs> and Michigan has Haskins. <laughs> Enough said. Yep. Yep. Uh, I agree. Iowa has is so, so fraudulent. I, it blows my mind that they're number 13 right now. I, I do not understand why they're here. Although I am glad that they are in the Big Ten Championship and not Wisconsin. I'm sick of seeing Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship game. Um, yeah, I think Michigan runs away with this one. I think this is going to be classic Big Ten football. There will be like 10 total passes in the game. And two of them will be picked by Spencer Petras. And Michigan runs away with it. You know, I absolutely agree. Petrus is going to petch miss all over the field. <laughs> He's not great. Michigan is going to blow out this team. Yep. So, and Dan agrees with us. He's going with Michigan. If this plays out the way we're thinking it plays out, Georgia, Cincy, Michigan, and Oklahoma State, we can all agree, due to our picks, that those would be the four teams in the playoff. Out of those four teams, one combined playoff appearance, and that was Georgia in 2018. How refreshing would this be? I love it, and I hate it. And let me tell you, I'll go into more depth in the new show. We, the fans have been arguing for so long. What's the, what's the point of playoff expansion? It's been the same four teams over and over again. What happens right as they're arguing for expansion? <laughs> New teams get in. Now and they're I'm not kind of g- worried that the <laughs> playoff committee is going to be like, "You guys wanted new teams. New teams made it. We didn't have to expand, so we're not going to expand." So that's the only thing that worries me. But I love it. Justin taking the long view. <laughs> True. Long view. I think it's going to be great. It'll be good for college football to see a bunch of new teams in there. Mm-hmm. But I too would prefer a 12-team playoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're on the Who in there. Who won it? But I'm glad that we're getting some – I mean, we are going to have red and black, but we're going to get some orange and black and maize, and maize and blue in there, like new colors in the playoff. That's what we need. I was really worried when it was Alabama, Georgia, Cincinnati, and Ohio State. And <laughs> all like, red and black. We can't have all red teams. Yep. It's going to be the Big Ten Championship for the last six years all over again. <laughs> yeah, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> 
Anyway, that concludes this episode of the Les Talk Podcast. Thank you, Kevin, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure you check out our Instagram and our Twitter at Les Talk Pod, and make sure you also check out Jared's weekend watch guide at lestalkpodcast.com. Those things are amazing. Yeah, the bowl projections will also be up on the website. The bowl projections are up on the website. They are also live on our Instagram right now. Please let us know what you think in the comments. The comments actually do help a lot. So, And also, share this episode with your friends. Leave a rating, preferably five stars. That would be great. Hit us up. We'd love to talk to you guys. Yep. Can we get a Go Cougs, Kev? Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. I don't like Utah. In fact, I hate them. I hate everything about them. I hate their program. I hate their fans. I hate everything. So it felt really good to send those guys home. Um, they didn't deserve it. Uh, it was our time, and it was our time to win. We deserved it. We played uh, as hard as we could tonight, and uh, it felt really good, again, to send them home to get them out of here. So, um, you know, game always remembered. I mean, I think I think their whole I think the whole university and the, their fans and, and the organization is classless. I think, you know, they, throw, they threw beer on my family and stuff last year and did a whole bunch of nasty things, and I don't respect them, and um, you know they deserve they deserve.